available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Special episode of the podcast of champions. Am I, back? No. I don't think you are. Uh, we're, we're having as the conference implodes. David micro David's microphone has been imploding. This one work? Yes, it will. All right, we're going over here. Uh, we're gonna have to move the camera, but we're uh, yeah, David. Here, I'll, move, I'll move the camera while you can. Uh, I love that it worked for taps, but it didn't work after that. No kidding, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Can you move it enough? Yeah. There we go. Boom. All right. I got to get this helmet out of here again. Nice. Right. This is a perfect way to start our emergency podcast of champions episode with a mic fail. An epic and, mic fail. And uh, yeah. Well, here, let's start the intro again. I love I, your taps, by the way. That was very good. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah, I tried to go a few more bars than I did in the uh, pre-show, the pre-show meeting. Welcome, everyone, back to uh, the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods. I still am. Uh, yeah. From Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, UCLA, a Big Ten school, one of a few now in mm. this uh, league of ours. Yeah, and I'm Ryan Abraham from uh, uscfootball.com. Uh, I run the USC site. On the 24-7 Sports Network. Now, again, part of the Big Ten Network. But together, David and I, we still make the podcast of champions, talking all things Pac-12, Pac-4. So is this just a Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State show now? We are now the biggest Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Wazoo fans out there. But yeah, we're the podcast of champions. We still got a year. We still got a season uh, of Pac-12 football. It's going to be a great season. And it's going to be a great show because we have to talk about the demise of the Pac-12 as we know it. If you want to drop us an email, we did a show three days ago, and we've got like 12 emails in there. we got a voicemail. But you can email us, pac12podcast at gmail.com. Call or text us at 424-532-0678. Twitter is at pac12podcast and the website where you can find all our crap, pac12podcast.com. And if you have that Apple podcasting app, please follow us and rate us five stars. I uh, love doing that. Uh, we will read your reviews on the air, as we always do. Last week, we got a couple of really long ones that we didn't read the whole thing, but it was kind of crazy, or not last week, a few days ago. And uh, yeah, we're still the uh, Podcast of Champions. We will continue to be the Podcast of Champions in some shape or form. Now we, a little, we know a little bit more, David, about 
Yeah. What's going on? We know a lot more. It's crazy. All right. So let's just set the scene for those who are, I don't know, hiding under a rock. The Pac-12 is dead. Uh, Dead, dead. Uh, We were talking about it this week. We both thought it was a a, a 45-point favorite to die. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, it did. It, It got crushed like an FCS school at home at UCLA, NC Central. We wish you the best this year. Um, it's what's happened is UCLA and USC left last summer, uh, scheduled to start in 2024. Then in the last week, Colorado uh, bounced soon after Pac-12 Media Day. Just uh, as, you Big 12, as you predicted. As I predicted. And then uh, this week, after uh, presenting a mediocre media deal, uh, nobody was able to sign off on it. Big Ten uh, was the first actor, actually ended up being the first actor because the Big Ten is an evil organization, uh, poached Oregon and Washington. Uh, that was early yesterday morning um, after they uh, there was supposed to be a meeting of the presidents to vote on whether or not to accept the media deal, which we learned from Brett McMurphy uh, earlier on Thursday was an exploding offer. Um, it was going to expire on Friday, so they had to have a meeting to determine whether or not they're going to accept it. Uh, Oregon and Washington either told everyone beforehand they couldn't accept it or just didn't attend the meeting. It's a little bit unclear on what happened. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, then announced soon thereafter they were exploring the Big Ten. Um, and then that happened pretty quickly. And then later on in the afternoon, early evening, uh, Arizona, Arizona State and Utah all announced their departures for the Big 12, leaving Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State with um, a a spacious home without too many uh, people living in it anymore (laughs) and one that they're probably not going to be able to pay the mortgage on. Um, So they don't really have a home anymore. Um, We'll see what ends up happening with them. There's a lot of speculation that they could do some sort of merger or reverse merger with the Mountain West where they either go be Mountain West schools or the Mountain West comes to them. Uh, or maybe, you know, there'll be last minute entreaties to the big 12 or big 10 from some of those schools Whatever it is, it's a breaking, it's a sundering, it's a pillaging, it's entropy winning out, it's decay, it's, uh, you know, a bad thing for college football. Um, it started it started a long time ago, um, but the acceleration of it uh, since UCLA and USC left has been profound and bad and nothing anyone should be excited about in the world of college sports. Yeah, you know. It's been good for our podcast numbers, which is kind of crazy. Like we we've had, you know, we have like over 100 people watching live on a, you know, Saturday afternoon, a last minute show. People are are interested in this, but it is it's the depressing. universal sentiment. Like if you're an individual fan of a school, there's this immediate excitement and uh, uh, totally normal. There's immediate excitement like, oh, we got a lifeboat. We've, we've got the ticket out. We can we can still participate in this endeavor. But if but anybody who's thinking about the broad strokes of this, like I've never seen the sentiment so universal that this is bad. Yeah, like this is so bad for bad college for the sports. Sport. Yeah, it's bad for the sport. Um, yeah. uh, Joe said uh, on Twitter, I'm sorry, on uh, on YouTube, that uh, Michael Crow said today that Washington, Oregon didn't attend yesterday's virtual right meeting. Um, and uh, and Cartman had something that Crow said. And obviously, take things what he says with a grain of salt. Because take him with a shaker of salt, because he's like number two on the people who destroyed this league. Yeah, he's really he's high up there and trying to save some sort of face. Um, but he said that Arizona, Arizona State, had him, him and Roberts, uh, Robin Roberts, talked 
uh, like a hundred times, he said, and they were in lockstep and they wouldn't have gone to different places. So um, we thought that was a possibility, especially, you know, when Arizona was ahead of the game, they were, they were further along in the process. And, you know, I think Jason Shear was kind of keeping us abreast of what was going on there. Uh, and it looked like from the reports on, I guess it was uh, sat Thursday night that Crow could have been messing things up. And a lot of it was just, to me, uh, Robin Roberts looked like a power player in this, and Crow just was like coming along for the ride. So it was one of those things where he wanted to be the guy, and he wasn't, you know? And Yeah, he, he wanted to have some juice in this whole thing, and, and he, he didn't none, have any. No. Um, and I think Robin Roberts definitely stole his thunder uh, to an extent, and so he was trying to reclaim it, which shows you the kind of ego of a person uh, who helped to break this thing. Yes. Like, it shows you exactly the kind of person and man he is. Um, that that's like a primary concern here at the end. Um, and so he's to blame. Larry Scott's to blame. George Klyavkov's super to blame. Uh, so yeah. Stuart Mandel had a great story in The Athletic kind of doing a blow-by-blow blow of, of what what happened since Klyavkov uh, came into power. And there was a little bit about Larry Scott, but um, it was the best uh, kind of retrospective on Klyavkov's tenure because I don't think Klyavkov's going to be around too much longer. Um Who's he going to work for? Like, <laughs> Who's going to hire him? Um, but the 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 thing that he uh, that he touched on was that when Brett Yormark was hired at the Big Twelve, which was soon after Klyavkov was hired at the Pac Twelve, Yormark went and hired um, these like huge media players to help him organize and, and negotiate his media deal. Yeah, WME Sports and IMG Media. Exactly. And Klyavkov went and contacted uh, one of his old law school buddies who runs a boutique media firm Doug, to help him negotiate his. Doug Perlman, yeah. Yeah, and what a what a beautiful little insight that I don't think Stu actually hit as hard as he should have because that is – that is it right there. Like that's the crux of You love nepotism, right? Nepotism and cronyism. <laughs> it's always this. It's always if you're looking for a failure of leadership, if you're looking for somebody who's just like incompetent and you can't quite put your finger on why. He sounds really good. It's because of that bullshit. It's always because of that. It's always something where it's like, "Oh, I hired a buddy for this or I thought this was the best thing because somebody told me and it was a friend of mine or whatever it is." Just that right there is such a perfect encapsulation of why this thing failed. Yeah. You know, because the Big 12 goes out and does that. Then they learn they can jump the line. Now, I was always speculating, and I still think this is somewhat true, that part of this was collusion from the TV networks where, well, of course, we'll allow you to jump the line because we would prefer to be partners with you than with the Pac-12. But how much of that was the the media companies that they had hired to help them negotiate it? Yeah. Um, so... I, I, there's there's a lot of great stuff being written. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that has been written. There's a lot of stuff being written that I'm sure everyone's going to want to read. Um, a lot of blow by blows. Um, and I think that the and the, this is a many fathered beast here. Um, and it's uh, you know so many years and decades of incompetence at the leadership level. And the very sad thing is, I think for really everyone besides USC fans. Um, and I, this isn't me casting aspersions at USC's fans. I just know it's been a a, a, a thing for USC fans for longer. Uh, I don't think anyone wanted this. Yeah. I don't think anybody wanted the Pac-12 to break apart. And I think even USC, if, like, given its druthers, a situation where they get, like, $10 million more million a year, I think they would have wanted to stay in the Pac-12, too. Um, so this is just a... 
it's a breaking that didn't need to happen. And there were terrible forces at work here. There were these incompetent leaders. There's the 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 just general terrible force of, you know, unfettered, you know, market forces, capitalism, whatever you want to call it, that are forcing, you know, all of these uh, conferences and sports to bend to the will of the TV networks. Um, but it's just the end result is we're going to end up with a product that is uh, unfamiliar, that's very different, yeah. and I would think in many large ways inferior. There's, I mean, it's definitely we're going there now. There's, it's very different, but still, you know, it's still popular. Um, we'll see. I mean, that could be there could be long term implications. I want to talk about sort of yesterday, and it would have been great if we did a show yesterday. I had already Ryan. Had, Ryan was extremely drunk on a beach. I was up drunk on a beach. I sent you a tweet um, with uh, one of my friends. Uh, Ashley is a former All-American volleyball player at UCLA. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I've known her for years. But anyway, I was down there at the Manhattan Beach six-man tournament, and I was like, I kind of want to do this. you know? Like, we'll just wait and see what happens. Then I got kind of just too drunk to come in, and then I was going to the Magic Castle last night. So I couldn't do a show, so we're doing one. This morning, yes, a little bit hungover. But I think the most— you See, Ryan is a pastoral traditionalist. He wasn't willing to adapt to change to circumstances, which would have made you a good fit for keeping the Pac-12 together. You would have been like, no, I already have plans. I, I got plans already. I got plans. I'm getting drunk on a beach somewhere. Well, see, that's what the Pac-12 spirit more, should have been more. Oh, you you want us to come over there? No, no, no. We got plans over here already. Yeah. Like, we got beaches here. We got— we got a Rose Bowl like to ha- to we've, we've got a Rose Bowl to half-assedly compete for every four or five years. So sorry, uh, we'll see you maybe tomorrow. Yeah. So the way I thought um, this was going to go down, and I think a lot of people did, and there, and I think one of the things that was, it might have been Wilner and Gonzano talking about, like, don't underestimate like um, the the university president's apathy or just their ability to not do anything as opposed to doing something. And I felt like that might win out. And my I, my gut was, all right, Arizona's going to go. Like, I feel like they're going to go. But the other schools might just be like, ah, and if they don't get a full share of the Big 12, um, and then Oregon or Washington wouldn't be getting a full share in the Big 10, that there's a chance that they kind of kept this together. And you backfill with like SMU and San Diego State and sort of go on with your lives. Like, I think there was a chance of that happening. It didn't. And from what, you know, Crow was saying, that Arizona and Arizona State weren't going to split up. But the fact that Oregon and Washington, you needed that. So I, I wrote in the show notes that basically the UCLA, USC, those were like torpedoes in your side. The ship is listing. But there was a path to, you know, get things back on track and save the ship and go forward. And Klyovkov obviously didn't do that. We'll get into all that stuff. But I didn't, I felt like the next, you know, that next torpedo that was coming to, to put it, to, you know, send it to the bottom, you know, the depths of the ocean would have been from the four corner schools. You know, it started with Colorado, but that wasn't going to sink the ship. Like I felt like Arizona was going to so, be the next one. And I then, disagree a little bit with okay. that part because the Colorado thing, I think it was like the equivalent of not another torpedo, but like one, like the. You ever read about the Titanic sinking and it's like it can afford to lose X number of compartments, but right. it can't afford to lose that like like one more above that and it will just sink no matter what. Right. And I think Colorado was like the like tipping point compartment where, no, it's not a huge blow in its like in its one thing, but it was just that little tip because I think at that point, that's a, that's a vote of no confidence this media deal is even going to be any yeah. good. And it, it changes the tenor of things. And these presidents are nothing if not people. And people are prone to decisions that are like, you know, 
borderline emotional, but also just kind of going with the the noise of the crowd, right? Sure. And the noise of the crowd after Colorado was there's this is done. Like there's no way of saving this. If they're not even going to wait for your media deal, you don't have a media deal. Yeah, I and, felt like there was a chance to close that final compartment off. Even though you were like, that was, I get the tipping point part, but they could have survived still. Like there, it wasn't the end end, but it was pretty much the, you know, it, it was almost certainly the end. Like right. you said, 45 point. But again, like there was a lot of times Klyovkov could have made a choice that saved things. And there I, were a lot of off ramps. Yeah. And I feel like there could have been, but the, the, the one compartment, whatever, the next compartment to go that really, really, there's no turning back now that you can't save anymore. The fact that it was Oregon and Washington and not like Arizona, Arizona State and Utah was a little surprising because I don't think the Big Ten wanted to to be that one that's basically like, you know, we definitely thumped you with USC and UCLA, but we're going to back off and just pick through the bones when you're a carcass. And no, they, they created the carcass or, you know, really helped uh, create the carcass. And I feel like, that was a little surprising, but, you know, probably Fox had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the TV networks have been a huge part of this and they can say, oh, we can get these Pac-12 schools for less in the stuff we already have going as opposed to doing a new deal there. So I think that's part of it. And, you know, coming down to we don't have a college football czar. No one's looking for the betterment of the sport. No, and the TV networks don't give a shit. Like they they're don't trying care. to make money, which yeah. I mean, they're companies like that's, you know, what you're, you're well, doing. no, it's it's but like it's classic golden goose stuff like you don't. So you're a, the head of a company. It's it's again, you got to understand it's not just like, oh, wow, this is just happening in a vacuum. And, you know, it's just market forces and this is the best thing for profit. It's not. The, the reality is that this is going to, at some level, at some point, kill what we know of as college football, college sports. Um, it's going to uh, uh, significantly hurt the Golden Goose, if yeah. not kill it. Um, so it's not a good uh, profit motive endeavor. Um, if, you're, if you're actually motivated by profit for the good of your company, you want longstanding profit. It's, again, it's, it's vulture uh, people. Um, who want to uh, make a significant amount of money so they can get a significant amount of bonuses and then get their parachute in three years. Yeah, It's people who don't give a shit at all about the longevity of the sport. And so that's why we end up with this absurd situation where you've got four schools on the West Coast. You've got, I think, two schools on the East Coast. Then you got this big mass of schools in the Midwest, and that's supposed to be a conference that plays itself, like that's that plays itself throughout the year. I mean, the Big 12, yes, you have West Virginia and you added that weird stuff in Florida and stuff. But um, Arizona, Arizona State and Utah would have always made sense in a version of a Big 12. Like if you had told me 20 years ago, say the world bends a little bit differently or whatever it would have been 40 years ago, uh, those could have always been members of the Big 12 and it would have made total sense. Like that's not something that feels like bending reality to make it happen. Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC in any version of a Big Ten is bending reality. Like yeah. that's just it's it's something that is inherently unstable for those schools and for the league as a whole because of how much of a role especially USC and UCLA uh, play in how they can negotiate media contracts. It's just it is short term profit seeking versus what's best for the long term longevity of the sport. Yeah. Um, you mentioned so Stuart Mandel had a good piece today, um, and you mentioned the uh, the sort of cronyism that he used as far as you know, and that uh, you know end up hurting him. Um, so he also talked about uh, Larry Scott a little bit. And he wrote, uh, but Scott himself became a human face of the Pac-12 woes, 
mocked and criticized for a list of uh, fiascos standing by his general counsel, Woody Dixon, after he inexplicably ruled an in-game officiating review, overruled an in-game officiating review. He would stay in that $7,500 a night suite in Vegas um, for the basketball tournament. Took a two, that $2.2 million bonus he took shortly before laying off and furloughing half the conference staff in 2020. Remember, he said he had this big announcement, and it was like he was getting an extension, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they could The presidents, and I agree with Stuart, they could have pulled the plug on Scott at any point. Instead, they ignored all the issues and went along with their lives, and that's apathy. Um, he could have poached the Big 12 schools in 2021, but chose to join the alliance instead for Klayovkov, so moving to Klayovkov. So, I mean, there was a lot of missteps, I think, along the way. But Mandel's piece, I thought, was a, a pretty good one yesterday. Yeah, no, if you, if you haven't read it, it's a good um, little kind of TikTok. And then Wilner had a couple of good pieces about um, everything breaking apart, like just kind of the news about what happened yesterday and then also what's what's the next steps for Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. Yeah. Um, he had four points I can go over real quick if yeah, you want. Yeah, sure. Um, so four points that were sort of like, you know, the biggest uh, letdowns or whatever. So at 20... and. 2011, when Larry Scott decided to create the Pac-12 Networks, uh, a wholly owned media company that failed to meet all the lofty revenue projections, um, it created financial desperation across the conference and stoked deep frustration in Los Angeles, where USC and UCLA were forced to accept a revenue structure that did not reflect their market value. His second point was the, re- the rejection of an offer from ESPN in 2018 to take over the struggling network, basically realizing, okay, we sucked at this. We shouldn't have created our own network. Let's let ESPN run it. And then we'll get in with ESPN. And, you know, that's half the reason why you'd want to do that or even more. Um, had a deal been in place last summer, he thinks USC and UCLA wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had that escape hatch necessary and they couldn't have bolted for the big. Well, yeah, because if, if something had been renegotiated in 2018, there it definitely wouldn't have had a term ending in 2023. So yeah. maybe they would have bolted at some point, but it wouldn't have been then. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the conference, re- the refusal to expand in 2021 after Klyovkov took over. The Big 12 was vulnerable then. And they could have been poached um, after a Texas and Oklahoma left. The presidents evaluated their options and determined none of the available schools would bring enough financial benefit or institutional fit. Giving a second chance, the Big 12 quickly expanded and positions itself to eventually feed on a weakened Pac-12. And then the lack of urgency on Klyovkov and securing a media rights deal. This really killed me that they just just drag their feet on this. Um, new to the college sports scene, he failed to recognize the risk of dragging out the media rights negotiations. As a result, the Pac-12 was unable to secure a deal during a prolonged stretch in which the greatest uh, threat, an aggressive Big Ten led by a media overlord, Fox, laid dormant. And boom, they came. Existential threat, sorry. So uh, he, here's the crazy thing about that last point, because I think this needs to be uh, talked about a little bit more, is... If you presented that exact same Apple TV deal, but you did it six months ago, I think we'd still be talking about a 10-team Pac-12. I think we would still be talking about Arizona and Colorado because if we learn nothing from this, it's that presidents are inertial. Like They don't want to change if they don't have to. And if you presented that same deal and you gave them time to kind of wrap their brains around it, do conversations the Big 12 get advanced as they did? Do conversations, the backdoor conversations the Big 10 get as advanced as they did? I don't know. I, I really don't think so. I, I think if you presented them with something and got them, gave them time to, okay, well, we're going to have to nip this in the budget, and we were thinking about doing this, but we might have to kick it down a few years, and you know, we've got to start a campaign to really try to get people to get on board with signing up for Apple TV. 
But like I was saying earlier uh, in the week, if Klyavkov had um, pivoted to that from a position of strength and said, no, we are targeting this. This is what we want to do. We want to go streaming. We want to get the best possible streaming deal. Would it have been this kind of half-assed $20 million a year offer from Apple TV? Or could he have eked out 25 to 30 as the baseline offer plus incentives? Like, yeah. and that's the part where I'm just I, – I, I think this if, – if you were pending anything on Klyavkov, because here's the thing. I'm big on somebody has to make rational uh, – and this is the thing. Everyone thinks they're a rational actor in this. Like, oh, the Big Ten's acting rationally. Fox is acting rationally. No. It's rational insanity because it's going to hurt the sport in the long run. Long it's run, going yeah. to it's going to diminish the value of the sport. But if um, the, the true rationality is allowing things to maintain stability. If Klyavkov wanted to make a uh, – it's not even altruistic, but it's the longer-term decision not to poach a bunch of Big 12 teams, I can see the argument for that because uh, what's best for college football is something like a stable Big 12 as well as a stable Pac-12 because regionality is super important. Like yeah. It's a necessary component of this thing staying in some sort of uh, reasonable framework. Um, but the part that he really screwed up was the, the media negotiations over the last eight months. We won't know the details of that, probably at a very, very minute level, unless he decides to talk about it. But um, at, at just like the you know ten thousand foot level, that deal was so bad that there was no reason you had to wait that long to present it. Um, right, and it's like it's like you you screwed up on a report in school and you don't want to turn it in. It's like it's. It's still better to turn it in. Right. It's something. Um, and not giving Colorado anything to go on, like anything to sink their teeth into and say, hey, can we make this work? Because Colorado, like if you were talking to fans um, and I think like to a certain extent, the athletic department in the months before uh, they announced there wasn't this drive to go. I think Arizona had a little bit of a drive to go. Like I think there was a lot of yes. uh, institutional investment in, hey, Big 12 might be a fit for us. Colorado's already done the Big 12 thing. They didn't really want to, but their hand uh, to some extent was forced. And I, I want to be careful about saying that because, yes, these schools have to secure their financial future, and I totally get that. But um, th this goes back to something that's been a longstanding point of me on this show, even before all this realignment stuff, which is uh, what is that extra $5 million for? Like, what what are you doing with it? Um, is it just to bump up salaries a little bit more because um, you're not staying competitive with the Big Ten at 25 or 30 million dollars. So are you trying to win a national title? If you're not, then what's your goal? What's yeah. the point of your athletic program? Is it just you desperately need that money to fund the rest of your programs? Is it you want that money to put into a facility that nobody needs? Like, what is it you want that money for? And I think that's something that um, gets lost in a lot of this discussion because everyone treats it as another avenue of competition for their school. And so fans get really invested. And, oh, my God, we're getting $65 million. This is amazing. You don't see any of that money. No. And what's more, nobody sees that money except for like five people. It's the head coach. Your assistant coaches all get a bump. The AD gets a bump. And then it goes into uh, cement. Like, wh what are we... What are we talking about here? Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, the the revenue thing, and there's if you listen to uh, you know like Washington was having athletic department revenue issues, and a lot of it stemmed from what they were promised from Larry Scott and the low, you know, the fact that the Pac-12 network revenue was coming in lower than the lowest um, 
you know, uh, estimations that Larry Scott presented was a problem. A lot of people put investments into their athletic department with, you know, stadiums and facilities and things like that. And then they weren't able to pay for it because Larry Scott didn't deliver right. what he had said. And I feel like one of the other aspects of it is um, when the Pac-12 did have that negotiating window with ESPN and Fox. So you have an exclusive window when they open things up after USC and UCLA left. And they apparently were shooting for... They the, shot for the moon. They were shooting for the moon and could have got a way better deal. Like I, I think a better deal than what the Big 12 eventually got. I, I Reportedly, I reportedly, they were asking for $50 million per school. Now, yeah. we, again, I want to be careful because we're saying reportedly because it's... I, it's not firsthand information. And yeah. it's I think even the reporters who are writing it, it's not firsthand. But that rings true uh, because he was operating from this position of kind of public arrogance about the Pac-12 position. So it doesn't – that makes sense. Um, and, uh, okay, if you'd been more reasonable on the first ask, like say you asked for $40 million. Now, obviously, that's still a high bar for the Pac-12 to hit. But maybe then it's actually a negotiation that's reasonable. But yeah. if you come in, if you come in too high in one of these things, everyone's like, "Oh, this guy's not serious." And if he's not serious, we're doing. I mean, it's it's borderline a favor we're doing here. Let's let's move on. We'll go to the Big Twelve. And okay, that's saying it's uh, personal responsibility, which is a little too Pilgrim's Progress for me. Um, the other piece of this is, uh, and this is something you can't. Without extensive legal fighting, which Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford may wish to do at some point in the future, you can't prove it um, without that extensive legal fighting. But there probably was a collusion element here um, where ESPN and Fox maybe had a backdoor handshake. Hey, let's not uh, do our damnedest to stabilize the Pac-12. Yeah. Even if those media rights might be valuable to us, it's better for us to poach them right. uh, piecemeal. Um, and that's what... That's what happened. And that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and within a year. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that the best they were able to get was $20 million a year per school from Apple TV. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I understand the market situation and all that kind of stuff, but there was more value in the league than that. Yeah. Um, the, we had a question in the chat. I'm sorry I missed who it was, but did the, is the Pac-12 going to make a statement? And they did release one yesterday. Um, today's news is incredibly disappointing for student-athletes, fans, alumni, and staff of the Pac-12 who cherish the over-100-year history, tradition of rivalries of the Conference of Champions, and tradition of rivalries of the Conference of Champions. We remain focused on securing the best possible future for each of our member universities, which, I, is, which is now down to four. Yeah, I, I think, I mean... What do you say at this I, point? What, what the hell else are you supposed to say? Yeah. And I think that's basically their job now. I mean, I, I think for Klyavkov, the best thing he can do is basically it's like um, it's like a football team shutting its doors. Uh, you got to make calls for your kids so they can go to different uh, schools. Um, and I think for Klyavkov, I don't think he has any relationships. So I don't know how much benefit he will provide. But um, yeah, I mean, doing what you can to try to find landing spots that make sense. Now, if you're talking about the last four schools, Look, Stanford and Cal um, institutionally make the most sense in the Big Ten. Um, yeah. Like, they're, they've got the academic cachet. I mean, look, we talk a lot of shit about Cal for obvious, obvious reasons. Um, very obnoxious fan base. I'm sorry, Cal fans. Um, but uh, they've had some athletic success. Um, it's not been at a profound level. But, like, are, are they significantly worse than Northwestern? No. Um, 
what the Big Ten should do is, as a charity play for having destroyed college athletics as we know it, is pick up the remaining four uh, old Pac-8 schools and create a Pac-8 division. Like, just go go pick them up. You can pick them up at a discount now. Yeah. You only have to pay them. Like, you could probably get away with paying Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State $20 million a year. Right? Like, you could pay them what the Apple TV thing was going to pay them at a base rate and give them the same graduated compensation Washington and Oregon are getting, right? Like a yeah. million dollars a year up through the next media deal. And then in the next media deal, they get a half share. Like, not even a full thing. Wow. But you could do that. And you're basically cutting out $80 million for the total of those four schools, which what does that work out for the remaining like 75 members of the Big Ten? Like $2 million a year out of their media cut? Yeah. $4 million, something like that? So I, I think the presidents would like Cal and Stanford, but I don't think nobody's, Fox wanted And Cal. nobody has any appetite for Oregon State and Washington State. I'm yeah. just saying from a stabilizing uh, point of view, that would actually do it. Yeah. Which is put it all under the Big Ten umbrella. And people have joked about this, like they've done a bunch of joking about it, but like, no, seriously, you could do that helps to stabilize your West Coast arm because the big takeaway for me, and I, I still don't think people are just internalizing this at a fundamental level. Uh, there's going to be a, a competitive cost to being in the Big Ten for all of these West Coast teams, and nobody's really grasping it, uh, I think, at the necessary fundamental level. Um, it's a weird thing. It's not something that NFL teams do or NBA teams do where they do that men that heavy a percentage of their games outside of their geographic footprint. It's just not something that's done even at the professional level. And the Pac-12 West Coast teams are going to have to do it up to four times a year. Um, that's 33 yeah. percent of their games that are going to be in at least two time zones away. Um, so stabilizing that so that they're not feeling embittered seven years from now is I think should be a priority, but again, nobody is thinking about the long-term effects of any of this stuff. Yeah. Well, wait, so the Cal Stanford thing is interesting. We've talked about the sort of, they had the biggest swings available. Like they could have been a big 10 school. They still could, you know, both of them could be in the big 10 or they could like drop out of major college and then basically be Ivy league kind of thing. Like there's a wide range of what could happen to Cal and Stanford. So I think that's what you got to watch for now. Like what is Cal and Stanford going to do? Um, Oregon State and Washington State, unfortunately, don't have a lot of options. I don't think you know Big Ten invite's going to come. It's basically like start playing the Mountain West, and uh, you know I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't seem like it's going to bode well for their athletic departments when you're going from you know making the and what they've done to their stadiums and and facilities and all that. And now you're not going to have the money to pay for all that stuff. It just, I, I don't know. It doesn't, I, I feel worse for them. Like, I feel like Cal and Stanford kind of sometimes, you know, they make their own bed. They made their beds a lot of it, you know? Yeah. Oregon State and Washington State. Look, these are two, like, even more than UCLA and USC, original members of the Pac 12, Pac 8, Pac PCC. Like, they were in the 1910s yeah. in this league. So for them to be basically left holding a bag while, you know, they've at the level they're capable, they have uh, funded their programs, done the best they can. I mean, pound for pound, probably two of the best programs in the league from what they've been able to accomplish, given their resources. Um, it's just fucked up what happened to them. Uh, but here's the thing. I'm an idiot. We all know this, right? We all understand. Um, yes. 
what's happening now is what was the most obvious outcome when UCLA and USC announced. Here's what I tweeted on June 30th last year. Okay. Here's how it all shakes out. Oregon and Washington sprint to join USC and UCLA in Big Ten country. The Arizonas, Utah, and Colorado prop up the Big 12. Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal join the Mountain West. Stanford, you know, literally never plays another athletic season besides sailing. <laughs> um, but, like, that's still the most... And, and that's not me being Nostradamus. That was just the obvious way that yeah. this would break along certain lines. And it's happened that way. And it's, you know... Was there a way to fight against that? Sure. But that was where this was all headed um, from that point. And the fact that George Klyovkov spent months thinking that UCLA might miraculously come back to the Pac-12, yeah. um, that they didn't uh, proactively go get like an immediate media deal offer that they could present to the schools like literally one year ago, like it, it, they, they could have been able to get that Apple TV deal, I feel, in a month why did it take 13? Um, there's just so many factors that like could have prevented this obvious reality from happening. And this was the obvious reality then. Like yeah. this was the obvious thing coming down the chute. So how like the number, be, the number one thoughtful. operating philosophy has to be how do I prevent that reality? Exactly. That is an asteroid coming to our planet. How do I prevent that from happening? And every single ounce of your effort should be about that. Do you send up a, a, a do you send up a team of oil drillers <laughs> to drill into the center of that asteroid and blow it up from the inside? Do you like deep impact try to divert it in some way? Like you've got to understand what are my options for preventing that asteroid from hitting the planet That's Earth? The most important. Do thing. I prepare for it by building bunkers? Like what do I do to prevent to mitigate the impact of that asteroid? Yeah, building bunkers would have been expanding. Um, blowing it up would have been get a big ass media deal, but there were options here and instead they did nothing. They did yeah. nothing as if that asteroid was not coming. It was the don't look up philosophy rather than blow it up in space. Yeah. And there was opportunities obviously to a different, a number of different ways to at least mitigate the impact of that asteroid. But the, what you tweeted back in June was like you said, this is where it's probably going to go. And I think it would have gone that way anyway in like five or six years. And I think that's a lot of what Oregon and Washington's decisions were about. Like, it's going to go this way eventually. But I think there was a lot of ways you could have kept it together. I'm not saying you keep it together long term, but it'd give you, you know, more time to kind of figure stuff out and get better, expand whatever you got to do. But you, you didn't do that. And then basically it got to the point where the Big Ten wasn't interested in expanding more. But you screwed this up so poorly it was so bad. They're like, it was like we said last week or a couple of days ago on the show, it's a target of opportunity. And that's what ended up happening. You made this look so terrible that there was no hope in sight that you had, like that schools just were just going to go. Like you didn't give anyone, you, you just had to give them a reason to want to stay. And it's like every reason you gave them was to leave. All right. Uh, MWD has a couple of things which I want to address. Okay. Dave always acts like nobody else talks about the travel, but I see articles about the travel all the time. And then Chip Kelly specifically said this week that 36-hour trips are not affected by time zone changes. First, Chip Kelly is um, he was he was very narrowly answering that about like the impacts it has on the body. Fine. I, I'm not going to argue with him about that stuff. Uh, the reality is any study that's been done on the competitive effects of multiple time zone travel is that it does have an impact. So he's if he took that question to mean, which I don't think he did, does this have an impact on your team on the field? He's wrong if he said no. Two, uh, 
people talk about the travel, but they don't talk about it in the way I'm talking about it. People talk about, oh, God, that's really hard on the student athletes. And man, that's a lot of traveling. And gosh, it's so long and all that kind of stuff. I care about that, but I don't really like it's uh, being a football player is extremely hard. This yeah. isn't adding a whole lot of extremely hard to it. It it sucks. Uh, the part I'm talking about is something that I don't think gets mentioned enough, which is the competitive on field effect of that travel. Like the fact that multiple time zone travel does have a noticeable effect on your wins and losses. Um, that's the part I really am, am not seeing a whole lot of. Uh, because that's the piece that whenever I bring up the travel, people are like, oh, God, it's getting on a charter plane. What's wrong with that? You're not even having to go through security. You just jump on the plane and you go. And I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is for UCLA and USC and now for Washington and Oregon, uh, their teams are going to have a competitive disadvantage on the field. Like they're going to lose in aggregate more games because of the travel. Like that's a it's as it's as axiomatic as it gets. Like, I don't even think I need to argue it that much, because, again, if you look at any study of professional leagues who do this kind of travel on a regular basis, there's a noticeable effect of it. So the fact that those West Coast teams are going to have to do it multiple times a year, whereas each of the Big Ten teams is well, now that Oregon and Washington are added, we will see the occasional Big Ten team having to do it twice a year. Right. But for the most part, they're only going to have to do it once a year. Um, that's not great. Um, it's going to be a competitive disadvantage. That's why I keep bringing up a West Coast pod makes more sense because you don't have as big a competitive disadvantage. And also, uh, we're approaching all-star league status. So it's it's one thing to have to play all these games against a normal league when you're traveling cross-country. It's another thing when you're dropping your patsies while you're doing it. Because you saw in USC, they just added a West Coast pod that they're probably going to have to play all those teams every year. Yeah. Uh, Murderer's Row, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and USC. I mean, there's one odd man out, but Murderer's Row, three of those teams. Um, and uh, that's that's not great. Um, if you add Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford to that crew, you're adding the patsies that make it, that's the necessary component to ending up with gaudy records. It's the necessary component to ending up with your 11 and ones. Yeah. You need to have those teams to play. And that's not me denigrating those schools. We've all seen USC get wrecked at Corvallis. We've all seen UCLA lose a lot of games in various places. Uh, we've all seen Washington take trips to the desert and come back with their asses in their hands. Um, the, but in in the broad scheme of things, playing Cal and Stanford, Oregon State and Washington State is advantage your school, no matter what your school is. Um, and those things are going to be lost at a, again, I'm talking about the competitive level. I'm not talking about the feeling, the emotion, the tradition, all that kind of stuff. You need patsies and the patsies that they're going to play now are at Indiana. You know what at Indiana means? It means traveling 2000 miles away, having that effect on your body clock. And you're going to drop that game occasionally because you're having to do that travel and it sucks and it's weird. Um, so that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this. I'm not talking about, oh, God, it sucks for the student-athlete experience. they got to get home and take a test. That's all bullshit. I mean, they, they, they have to do that all the time. A lot of them take online classes now because of COVID. Like, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a weird and wild deal. Um, but the, the piece about the, the actual effect on competition is probably the one that's not getting talked about enough. Well, I wanted to talk about the new situation for everyone. So we kind of mentioned, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Oregon States and Washington States and Cal and Stanford that's still, you know, TBD. For the four corner schools, you talk about the Patsies. It's interesting because they're going to be in a league that doesn't have the huge brands in the Big 12, but like everybody's good. You know, like there's a, a lot. So I feel like 
you're going to have to step up your game um, if you're the Arizona Arizona states of the world. It's going to be hard to win a lot because you'll be playing coin flip games almost every week. There's not there doesn't seem like I mean you can play Kansas sometimes, but even they got a really good coach now and they're good. Like that's a really even league, so I think it adds some unique challenges where you're not playing a USC or an Oregon, but you're playing a lot of teams that can beat you. So that'll be interesting. And then on the the Big Ten side, I think, you know, it's nice having West Coast partners, but it's not like Oregon and, and Los Angeles or Washington or Los Angeles are super close. It's just travel of staying in the same time zone. It essentially eliminates for USC and UCLA one extra multi um, time, time zone trip. Zone trip. Yeah. Because you have that one that will you'll go up to the Pacific Northwest for. Um, I think it would be better if for them if Cal and Stanford joined. I think that would be at this point. Good. Now that you've got this expansion piece, I, I think, think you, it's almost necessary. I would say for UCLA and USC from a competitive standpoint to add a little bit more. It's one thing if you're adding it. The thing is, when you add Oregon and Washington, you're adding two more top half teams in the Big Ten. Like there, and this is an interesting uh, conversation for UCLA and USC, which I don't want to get too deep into because there's a lot of Pac-12 listeners listening who are not those schools. But um, uh, what will Oregon and Washington be power rated as in the new Big Ten in terms of scheduling? Because if you're adding them, does that mean that UCLA and USC might still end up with Michigan and Ohio State on the schedule in a single year along with those two? Or does it mean they're power rated highly enough that this means you're only going to have to play one of Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State every year. Because that's yeah. going to be a critical question. It's one thing if these two are replacing the big boys, but if they're replacing Indiana on your schedule, then yeah, we got a problem. Yeah. Because I, then the competitive disadvantage of adding those schools is extreme and, over, and it outweighs the competitive disadvantage of traveling 2,000 miles. Because playing those schools every year, as we've all seen over the years, those are marquee big matchups. Um, and... You can't have a situation where you are basically playing uh, uh, four or five teams that have the potential to make the playoff in your conference. Right. It's a it's a it's challenging. And now the Big Ten is going to have 18 schools. Right. And the Big 12 will have 16. Um, it's hard to play everyone. You're going to miss a lot of teams. So it's, uh, you know, are they going to do pods? How is it going to work? We already got who the opponents were. For 2024 and 2025 in the Big Ten, and you got to scrap that, obviously. Um, you know, the Big 12 is making changes all over the place. You know, they, when Texas, Oklahoma take off, but they already added the four new teams, four new teams this year, and then they get four new teams next season. So it's uh, the scheduling will be interesting, and I think one of the one of the big issues with this is the other sports outside of football. Like you can travel, what your know, charter flights and all that. If you know, and maybe with the depth of the Pac-12, that you can work out a deal that you're playing, even the teams that have left the Pac-12, they're staying. Like, hey, we're gonna have like a West Coast, you know, Olympic sport league where you're playing a lot of those teams instead of like you have to, the baseball team have to play Indiana and Rutgers all the time instead of oh, you can play Cal and Stanford there too. So maybe this opens up an opportunity for something like that. What they should do is um, absolutely and. Uh, I, I know nobody's into charity now and nobody's into understanding how you need to prop up your member institutions and help out uh, with revenue sharing. But what should happen is all of these schools that have jumped should be the ones to propose such a thing for the non-revenue sports and they should be the ones to help fund it um, because and especially UCLA and USC. But and I'm not talking about the calimony thing, but it's good for them, too. 
because you're going to be saving money by doing something like this. Help yeah. prop this thing up with the money you have earmarked for Big Ten insane travel because the competitive value for your non-revenue sports is going to be much, much better in a whatever you want to call it, a Pac-12 non-revenue league or whatever it is. Yeah. But I don't know any of those schools that wouldn't go for it because Arizona and Arizona State, they want to play basketball in the Big 12. They want to play uh, football in the Big 12. They don't want to play baseball in the Big 12. No. They don't want to be traveling to West Virginia to play baseball. Um, so make that happen for all of the non or limited revenue sports uh, for all of these leagues, for all these teams. And then, um, and this is maybe my you know uh, long-term hope, you have a structure then, a continuing relationship between these schools for when this all breaks, yeah. for when it all bends back. Um, that continues. And, uh, you know, something like that, some structure like that for all of these schools, I think would be extremely beneficial. And if the schools aren't thinking about it already, they're very stupid. Um, <laughs> because there, there isn't, there's no world where it's going to be tenable in the long term for UCLA women's soccer to be playing games at Rutgers. Right. No, um, it's, it's just not going to be tenable. So, uh, nip that in its bud right now. Get all these schools on board with it. And there's no reason why Cal Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State would say no, because they, they need a place to oh, house yeah. their teams. And maybe there's... If it a, was just like USC and UCLA and the rest of the teams were together, they might say, screw you. Right. But now everyone's in different spots. So there's no reason not to. You know? Yeah. They should do that with the non-revenue sports, and that should be a conversation that's happening today. Yeah. Speaking of revenue, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. By the way, uh, we have like 375 people on our YouTube live. This is crazy. Um, thank you all for uh, spending some of your Saturday afternoon with us. Absolutely. I want to talk about the revenue. My understanding, and you know, like I said, I was a little drunk yesterday, so, but the <laughs> Arizona, the four quarter schools are all getting the, the full share in the big 12. So the, you know, Fox ESPN said, Hey man, we, this is a great opportunity to make this bigger. We thought that only two schools might get the full share, but it looks like everybody is getting that. Is that correct? For the uh, big 12? Yeah. Yeah. For the big 12, it sounds like everyone's getting the 31 million dollars so uh, yeah. ESPN was able to carve out some more what are your thoughts on you know when Oregon and Washington join the Big Ten it will be at the exact same time that USC and UCLA join the Big Ten mm -hmm. USC and UCLA getting a full share there's going to be some sort of partial share my understanding for Oregon it's going to be so the the terms that I understood yesterday were it's going to be 30 million dollars a year for Oregon and Washington with a graduated ability going up a million dollars a year for the term of this deal and then on the next deal they will get a full share and they can take a loan or some sort of grant against their future media rights if they need more money in the meantime. Yeah. So it's it's still better than what you would have got in the Pac-12, but it's not, you know, USC and UCLA are going to make significantly more money for that first Big, Big Ten contract than Oregon and Washington, even though they're coming at the exact same time. I, I want to get your thought. I mean, it's I don't know how it would sit, like if you're an Oregon fan or a Washington fan. I think you're just happy to be, you got to, you know, you're, you're, got a seat at the adult table, right? But it's like your meal's not going to be quite as good. Like you, you don't get to have uh, the the extra sides or the the better wine or whatever right. it is. It's like you're sitting at the adult table, but you're you're not eating the same food, I guess. Yeah, and this is, you know, I think there's, um, uh, this is where I think Oregon had a very tough decision to make um, because they're going to be one of many in a new Big Ten. They could have been the obvious top dog in a uh, Pac-12 
eight, pack right. nine, whatever it was, or maybe, maybe add a year. couple of teams. Yeah. And so they had to make a choice of, is that $10 million a year worth it? And it's not $10 million a year because, and this is the way the Washington, uh, I think the release put it, or maybe it was behind the scenes info, but over 10 years, it's way more than that. Yeah. Over 10 years, if you average it out, it's like 20 or $30 million a year. But they had to make a choice. Well, okay, we can probably make it pretty close to a playoff every single year if we stay in APAC 910. Um, we're going to have a competitive disadvantage in the Big Ten. Is it worth it to us to have the financial security? And they made the decision that it was. But I understand that it was a very hard decision for Oregon to do that. Um, and now they are. So Washington and Oregon, they have secured their 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 they've secured their survival. Yes. And this is a point I made um, for UCLA after the Colorado announcement, which um, and it was uh, basically the point for UCLA among. USC and, and others should be pushing for a West Coast pod because after you have secured your survival, what do you do next? Because I think a lot of fans are getting hung up on, oh, my my team has a seat at the table. Yeah, you know who else has a seat at the table? Rutgers has a seat at the table. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers seat at the table entails them losing 10 games a year. Um, is that the seat at the table that you signed up as a fan for? Like, do you want to watch your team lose their ass every single year? Because, uh, you know, Station Eleven argument, survival is not enough. Survival is insufficient. If if you signed up to be a fan, you signed up to watch your team thrive at some level. Yes. Like to, to perform at the level that makes you happy as a fan. Now, for different schools, and we talked about this a long time ago in the Pac-12, that means different things for different fan bases. Um, you know, for uh, UCLA fans, there's a little uh, depressed aristocracy there where they're not going to be happy until they win the Pac-12 again consistently or whatever that entails now in the Big Ten universe. But for Arizona fans, it's a different deal. Well, we want to be a consistent bowl team. You know, Oregon State fans, we want to be consistently 500. And on the, you know, on those peak years, we want to compete for the Pac-12. Yeah. Like we want to do that every four years. Um, but there's different things that means for different schools. And um, it's just... Uh, you know that's that's kind of getting um, getting a little bit lost in this stuff about survivability because uh, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, they're all going to survive now. But how do you make your programs thrive? Oregon yeah. has a plan; they're going to private fund NIL to hell and gone. But what's Washington going to do? Like, how are they going to make it so they can be a competitive factor in the Big Ten? How's UCLA going to be a competitive factor in the Big Ten when it hasn't been able to be a competitive factor in the Pac-12 for the last 20 years? Like, what are, What's the plan, guys? Or is it just to make enough money so that you don't have to have angry conversations with your fans? Yeah, Woe Nelly says, adding uh, middling programs is smart. If you only acquire strong programs, some blue bloods are going to fall down. Uh, good point there. We've gone like almost an hour. We love that everyone's in here. We have a lot of questions to get to. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Hopefully we'll address everything else. Uh, again, thanks for uh, being with us. This emergency edition of the Podcast of Champions back in a minute. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> 
And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. For, for new viewers and listeners, um, yes, we know it sounds like a used car commercial from like 1996, but there's nothing we can do about it. Well, there is. It's baked in. It's, it's just part of like, the, <laughs> yeah. Part. And if you're watching on YouTube, we didn't really take a break. We just have to do that for the podcast. This is this is a podcast. Don't, don't, don't take them behind the curtain. Yeah. The listeners need to know that we ran outside, uh, we screamed, and then we came back inside. Uh, we got like a longish voicemail. Uh, I'm going to play it for you. Sure. And then we'll jump into the rest of the questions. Yep. Hey, guys. It's Phil. Um, Wazoo fan here. Um, hey, I'm just curious. I mean, I keep hearing all these reporters saying how wazoo doesn't have the viewership doesn't have the market and sure it's located in a small town but i was just doing some research recently and this past year for example they ranked in the top half of the conference in terms of uh most viewers per game and say they you know the big 12 threw them a life raft they would still be in that top half so I feel like this whole argument in terms of they don't have the viewership, you know, they, they don't bring any value. is just kind of nonsense. Um, so it's just frustrating to just continuously hear that. And then it's also kind of another question along with that. Now that the Pac-12 is down to four teams, does Wazoo and Oregon almost – and, and should they kind of separate themselves from Cal and Stanford just because, uh, I don't know, I'm, all, I'm starting to think, I mean, expansion really probably could have saved this conference, you know, adding San Diego State or Fresno State. But I'm almost wondering now the reason why they didn't add them was because Stanford and Cal, you know, had, the, had you know, they have their thing against state schools and, you know, want the, they, they just have this, academic standard that they don't think state schools um match so anyways thanks guys also is there a uh, that's a great voicemail and it's very thoughtful um but i, I do have a joke first okay is, is there a funnier final pairing of pac-12 schools than cal stanford on one side and then oregon state and washington state on the other yeah just like could there be a greater dichotomy of institutions uh, from like a number of different standpoints and i'm not even denigrating oregon state and washington state there i think he brings up a good point i'm actually on, denigrating cal and stanford uh, um the expansion thing is true like klayovkov had a strategy to like get the media rights deal sign a grant of rights a grant yeah the whatever and then then expand he should have done it the other way around so that was the thing and then the what's important part um yeah like i feel like this was happening even before uh before like usc and ucla left and people someone would say like utah would be like hey you know we, we beat usc and you know we're more important than them they haven't won a they've only won one conference title in the last 10 years and stuff and that's all true but that's not what was important usc was still the what the Big Ten wanted more than anything, you know? So it's nice that Washington State was getting viewers and, and there was positive things, but it wasn't what was important, and especially for the Big 12. It just even geographically, it would have been tough. Uh, someone put in the chat that the you know the actual schools, Oregon State and Washington State, are better like institutional fits for the Big 12 than the, even the four corner schools, and I wouldn't disagree with that, but it's just – you know what's important. It's not always just like, "Hey, we've we've been good. You've been way better than you're." 
the schools they've produced better than what the the treatment they're getting right now. It's just it's an unfortunate. You know, I mean, it's business. it's a lot of horseshit. Like so, frankly, Washington State fan, I'm sorry because a big part of it is your proximity to a major airport. Like it's it's your media market. It's all the stuff that you kind of like about your school and your town. And that a lot of people like about your school and your town are actually things that make you a bad fit for expansion. You're remote. Like it's and that's and for Corvallis, uh, if Phil Knight had gone, you know, and uh, funded Oregon State instead of Oregon, you would be the one that's in and Oregon would be the one that's out because there's, you know, only uh, uh certain differences between Corvallis and Eugene uh, from a proximity standpoint, but they're both far from a major airport. Um, there's there's some like just some inherent geographical disadvantages that Oregon State and Washington State have. But from a competitive standpoint, God, I mean, uh, what Oregon State is doing now on the field, what Washington State has done since basically Mike Leach got there, um, th- they deserve to get better treatment than this. Um, and it sucks like this. This sucks. And it's it's a product of TV networks pushing this whole thing. And you made the point about ratings. Um for whatever reason. So people say, oh, it's not about eyeballs anymore. It's about eyeballs and it's about your market. It's about your TV, you know, footprint, all that kind of crap. And they don't bring those in Oregon State and Washington State. Yes, yeah. your fans watch them um, and you're playing Pac-12 games. So those games are watched. Um, Washington State last year played uh, at Wisconsin. That game was watched. And so, yes, yeah. your ratings are pretty good. Nobody's like turning away from a Washington State game. They usually are playing a fun brand of football. Um, no one's turning away from an Oregon State game for the exact same reason. They're playing good football. Um, you know, Jonathan Smith is pound for pound the best coach in the uh, soon-to-be defunct Pac-12. Um, but all that said, there's there's other factors at work um, that are ugly and and uh, not um, not in keeping with what anybody appreciates about college football. Yeah, let's go to some email questions. We'll try it. We got to go fast. Um, we got to text message that said you guys should be ashamed those reviews follow the rules you did not so there was a couple reviews that were like very very lengthy we just had a lot to get to there was a lot and there were so i will here's what i'll do because those were not timely i will endeavor to read those reviews on one of our shows in the next couple of weeks now that the news is passed um so uh, uh you will get to listen to me try to read elvish um uh, from the Silmarillion uh, sometime in the next uh, few weeks. We got one from Peter uh, about realignment. He says, hey, Ryan, Dave, love the work you do, and we'll miss this podcast. We are going to still do the podcast of champions. We yeah, are the yes. podcast of champions. And it's going to get increasingly farcical. Uh, I've already got some ideas cooking, but I think we should continue to do a Pac-12 power ranking, and we should keep our own Pac-12 standings based on who's playing who in the former Pac-12 like each that. year. And then we do a Pac-12 champion at the end of the year. Uh, uh, yeah, like a virtual champion. Yeah. I like that. Correct. Um, we could even play it out uh, if the NCAA video game. Yes, we will out. get the NCAA video game and we will play it out. I love it. Yeah. Uh, one important question that no one has addressed in all of this realignment is what happens to the Pac-12 refs? Which conference will be granted the honor of housing these paragons of judgment? Additionally, a few episodes ago, David brought up Dan Carlin of Hardcore History, I, w- I want it noted that Dan is a Colorado alum and a big fan of the Buffs. He's appeared on College Football Podcasts in the past talking about CU. Will you reach out to him to do a crossover episode covering the collapse of the pack? Could be interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, finally, a word of caution to you both. Well, I loved you trashing the Cornhuskers a few episodes back. Be careful with that in the future as their fans have extremely fragile egos. I don't want to see them doing a rating bombing of your future show. 
if you don't identify them as the greatest program of all time. Go Buffs from Peter. Nebraska fans. So I actually have uh, my brother is married into a Nebraska family. They're the nicest goddamn people. Very nice. They're just sweethearts. And uh, when UCLA traveled to Nebraska uh, in 2013, it was right after um, walk-on receiver Nick Pasquale uh, died. Um, got I think hit by a car. Um, and Nebraska fans, like, they went all out, like, celebrating the kid and um, doing all the stuff. And it was, like, that week. Like, there wasn't that much time to prepare for it. So, uh, you know, Nebraska fans get a lot of credit in my book. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, so the reality is um, here's the thing. Future of the show. Um, the, just some ideas. We're probably still going to talk about all the Pac-12 schools. Um, those schools, uh, wherever they end up, um, if Stanford to my, uh, estimation ends up doing only sailing, then maybe we won't talk about Stanford, <laughs> but there's only five people who care about that anyway. Um, uh, but the other 11 we'll still talk about, um, uh, but we are probably going to have to talk about the big 10 a little bit more. We're going to have to talk about the big 12 a little bit more. Um, we might have to talk about the mountain West. We might actually have to watch a lot more games on Saturdays, Ryan. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, the end result is we are going to be pissing off a lot of those fan bases. Um, now, you know us and love us, and you think that'll be fun. It will probably entail our show being lower rated, but we got to do it yeah. for love of the game. But the cool thing is with the Big 12 and Big 10, we can make fun of all of Iowa because we get Iowa and Iowa State in there. So that's that's two Iowas that we can uh, talk shit on. I think we should pick a state that's going to be the source of our ire, and I think Iowa's the one. You want to do an Iowa? Okay. okay. So we're just we're going to make fun of Iowa. Iowa and Iowa State. All right. Constantly. <laughs> okay. That's fine. All right. Just, just make that declaration. All right. What's up next? Uh, oh, am I supposed to be reading questions? Well, but it's like a thing we do. We oh, go back shit. Who knew? All right. Where were we? I'll do it. Okay. Money matters. Right. Uh, Dave was a bit wrong when he said money doesn't give you a competitive advantage. It If it didn't matter, Oregon would have stayed crummy for another 50 years even after Nike started dumping money into the program 25 years ago. All right, hang on, Frank. That's not what I said. I said um, uh, symmetrical money doesn't matter. If if you have $70 million and they have $70 million and they have $70 million and they have $70 million, it doesn't matter, right? Because you're all competing in the same market. But asymmetrical money, which is what Oregon produced, does matter. They had Phil Knight. Oregon State didn't have Phil Knight. Washington didn't have Phil Knight. Washington State didn't have Phil Knight. What happened to Oregon football? Boom. Yeah. Straight to the moon. Um, asymmetrical money. When you are going to a league, there are all 16 members, and now two of them will be also Rams, but 16 members were going to have the exact same amount of money. The money isn't a competitive advantage. This is this is uh, comparative versus absolute advantages. Uh, this is economics for you. Uh, they they don't from the history major. Yeah, there isn't there isn't an advantage there. Um, it's just the money. You have the money. You have the money to compete with everyone else, but it's not an advantage. It's just the money, um, which is why it, it has nothing to do with competition and all about survivability. But that's a point I've already made. Um, so no, I didn't say it didn't have a competitive advantage generally. It's just in this instance because it's symmetrical. Gotcha. All right. All right. Next up. We've got Scott bow down to Washington last season of the Pac-12. Hey, guys, love your podcast. And I jump each time you play the breaking news sound. Uh, being that this season will be the last Pac-12 season for USC and UCLA and maybe for all of the Pac-12. Maybe you guys could go through each team one a week and walk through the best, most notable games they played against each of the other Pac-12 opponents. This may require some podcast prep on your part, which we all know is a challenge. So not really expecting that you'll go for this idea, but wanted to suggest it anyways. 
Keep up the good podcast work. It's like listening to the orchestra on the Titanic as Colorado jumps into a lifeboat. It's a good idea. It's yeah. an interesting idea. I think um, not today. We're gonna have to do some special things with this being the last season. We've got to work through maybe some of what that is. Um, but little like kind of celebratory episodes about different uh, teams would maybe be kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we got to work through some things uh, to make that happen. I think the best thing would not be to go from our dumb memories, but to actually reach out to people who have followed those teams closely enough to uh, remember things. So here's the thing about Ryan and I, um, unlike say a Brandon Huffman who has um, uh, just absolute insane encyclopedia brain. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. Uh, Ryan doesn't remember anything. He's drunk his brain into uh, insouciance too often. Um, so the, the, the result there is that we don't remember games at anything like uh, what even a normal fan remembers. So we're not the people to ask, but we can ask the people who are the people to ask. So maybe yes. we can do something like this. Sounds good. Uh, let's see. Next one is a mental picture of the Pac-12 capsizing with the LA schools, the good uh, Pacific Northwest schools, and the rest of the four, four corner schools uh, appearing primed to leave. I'm just imagining the Pac-12 podcast going down with the ending it deserves. I'm picturing it as a Titanic capsizing with David David and Ryan dressed to the nines with top hats and canes tap dancing as it descends into the dark icy abyss. It sounds lovely. Yeah. Somebody should Photoshop that. That would be good. I well, think that could be our new. We're going to live on. We, we're going to live on. We're going to survive. This is our Independence Day. Um, anyway, that was a little Bill Pullman good, for you. Good move, yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Big R.I.P. Uh, to Bill Pullman. Um, yeah, you know, we need a new, we probably do need a new uh, banner image for the show. We're going to need a new banner image. We're going to change the intro. The tagline needs to change. Yeah. Um, it still works. Like, it's still funny now in more homes than the Pac-12 network, still and always. Yes. Uh, but we need to workshop that. Um, I put out a, a, a thing on Twitter uh, for ideas. Um, I liked the now in more conferences than the Pac-12. Um, now in three times as many conferences. Yeah. Uh, you know, something like that. I like the, you know, outlasted the Pac-12 network or something like that. You know, something along those lines, too. Um I mean, taking a shot of the Pac-12 Network is still pretty fun, you know. I feel bad for people who work there. Oh my though. god, they're great like, people that work there. Like, uh, you know, Yogi Roth, Ashley Adamson, like these people do a really good job, and uh, things just got swept out from under their feet. I mean, yeah. these are people who are going to be looking for jobs now. Like, it sucks. It does suck. Um, and in a tough, tough environment, you know, there's layoffs at a lot of these uh, media companies. So One it of sucks. the um, CBS executives, Adam Stuko, I forget his name, but. Uh, he used to work at the Pac-12 network and said, you know, a lot of executives made poor decisions. I believe this is what he was saying. And, you know, but the people that worked there were really good and it sucks for them. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we've got TK in Orange County. Yes. A text message. Curious to get David's take on travel impact for the new West Coast Big Ten teams now that there will be a West Coast pod that will likely play each other annually. Obviously, there will still be some games that require extended travel time yearly, but I'm wondering how much of a benefit it will be to having three West Coast games potentially taking the place of longer travel games, plus the home games that they will end up playing against Big Ten East teams each season. Thanks, TK and Orange County. I already went into this, but let me yeah. just give it a, a, a little bit of a tweak. So just to make it very, very bare bones, this will help the competitive problem with the travel 
But the problem is the two teams that were added with no other teams being added mitigates that because Oregon and Washington are good. You need to add some bad. Like you need to have a little bit of chaff with the wheat uh, out here in the West. And so that needs to that's something that UCLA and USC both should be pushing for now that it's already, you know, now that the seal has been broken on other teams being uh, in this area, like who cares if Cal and Stanford are at it? They're not poaching any of your recruits. Right. Oregon and Washington were the ones that you were worried about. So they're already in. So uh, now why not open the doors to the rest? I love it. Um, uh, So Shane wrote us in, well, this was May of 2018. He's uh, revisiting. He says, Ryan, thanks for all the hard work you put in the podcast. No, no, no. Read the recent one. Or I'll oh. read the recent one. Okay. Uh, well, David, David, it's time to revisit Pac-12 slogans, I suppose. So I'll just resend an email I sent five years ago and see if they hold up. All right. So these were uh, options that we solicited a, a while ago, I would guess. Um, Pac-12, yeah. the water polo of conferences, athletic, athletically super impressive, but hardly anybody sees any of the action, and we struggle to keep our heads above water while getting pummeled in the areas that matter most. <laughs> Ha, a joke about getting punched in the nards. This one still rules. Keep it. I like that one. I always like that one. So he's giving the original slogans and then commenting afterwards, which in Shane fashion is great. Right. So the original slogan was Pac-12, the conference that last won a national championship in football when current recruits were two years old. These things just go in cycles. And then his commentary, current recruits hadn't even been born yet, so toss this one out. Uh, next one, Pac-12, I, for one, welcome our new Chinese overlords. Crossing our fingers, they like watching on-demand amateur gymnastics webcasts on Twitter. If so, we're in luck. Uh, and then he said, we never even made it to China, although we did spend 12 years digging ourselves into a deeper and deeper hole, so grab credit on this one. <laughs> the dig, dig your way to China that all, it, that all kids attempt to do at some point. Uh, Pac-12, despite having access to miles of affordable television studio and industrial office space within our footprint, as well as the globe's largest concentrated population of trained production talent begging for work, we built our offices and film studios in the fifth most expensive commercial real estate market on planet Earth. Speaking of fifth, hey, that's us. Uh, This was a good joke, but no longer applies as Southern California is now Big Ten country. Uh, Pac-12, where champions play, sometimes. Remember when Miles Simon messed up Lute Olson's hair? Ha, classic. He said, I'm a fan of this one, but current recruits were 10 years away from being born when Miles Simon messed up Lute Olsen's hair, so this one's out. R.I.P. Lute Olsen. R.I.P. Lute Olsen. Uh, Pac-12, the Conference of Championship Truck Racing, now available on Fox Business Channel. Check your local listings. Oh, you don't get that channel either? Maybe there's an app. Speaking of apps, it's Friday night, so there's likely a Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives marathon on. Just go watch that. This is a joke about a thing that happened in 2017. Current recruits were 10 years old, but they'll appreciate that a major college football game featuring a top 10 ranked team was preempted on a Friday night for truck racing. Not just truck racing, though. We watched the whole goddamn post-race celebration experience. We got to watch Johnny Souter, the race's big winner, spray fucking Yoohoo or whatever all over his buddies. We missed the whole first half of the game. <laughs> God, this conference is so stupid and funny. This slogan is timeless and will work forever. So good. Uh, Pac-12, the Stanford of athletic conferences, only not as good at football. Uh, Stanford no longer plays football. Cut this one. (laughs) Pac-12, we're by Las Vegas. (laughs) We really leaned into this one over the last couple of years. Uh, Pac-12, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Longhorn Network. (laughs) Holy crap. I didn't realize how prescient I was with this one. The Longhorn Network not only outlasted the Pac-12 conference, its existence is actually directly responsible for the downfall of the conference itself. This was the winner in 2018, and it's still the winner today. 
And then he said, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the final all-time top 10 standings for the podcast of champions as we fold this wreckage in and go home. Keep up the work, your friend and compatriot, Shane. Shane, such good stuff. Always Uh, such good stuff. It was awesome. We got Rob in Seattle. Uh, Future podcast thoughts. Hey, guys, now that Oregon and Washington are heading to the Big Ten with your respective schools, any further insight into what the future of the podcast will look like? Um, So we've been talking about this a little bit. But he says, he gives some ideas. It's hard for me to believe that you will have the time and energy to watch games from multiple different conferences when you'll need to start pretending to care about Iowa versus Illinois. Do you guys think you'll be able to pull that off? I'll never watch Iowa versus Illinois. Yeah, you probably won't do that. Uh, Ignoring factors like school fan base size, not covering the remaining eight schools will effectively remove two-thirds of your current listeners from relevancy. Uh, It's likely that you'll have to cover the Big Ten schools and the same level of detail that you were with every school in the Pac-12, or will you double team, or you double down with your existing remaining listeners, and keep it West Coast focused? So I've thought about this, and the problem with becoming a Big Ten podcast is uh, we have there's absolutely going to be no inst- like the one thing is we were the USC and UCLA guys for the Pac-12, but I think over time we proved that like sure are we focused on UCLA and USC? Yeah, it's our job. But do we hate our schools? Also true. <laughs> um, and so I think we got some some uh, we earned some cachet in that respect. Uh, with the Big Ten, we don't have a place there. Like there's not going to be any um, like fan buy in to like listening to us ever. Like UCLA and USC at least have been part of the Pac-12 forever. But uh, <laughs> we will have been there for like a minute and we're going to do their Big Ten show now. Um, That's what I wanted to do because I feel like that's the, that would be very on brand so, for but us. Here's like we the, would just say we're the most knowledgeable people about the Big Ten it, out there, and being it, it would be really funny. Yeah, like it would be really funny. But I I worry that we would get like three hundred listeners. Now that being said, I think we we got to talk about it. I think we can try to do both and maybe separate them um, a little bit, like do a Pac twelve show Moore. and do a Big Ten show. Now that'll require more demands on our time if we try to do to that. No so money. that's the yes. thing. Yeah, that's the thing we got to talk about. Um, no, if we did that, we would have to do some sort of Patreon thing. Like we would have to. Okay. That's the only way that would make sense. Um, so I can see the Pac-12 one being a Patreon thing. Yeah. Which one would be the Patreon thing? The Pac-12 one. Well, we would probably make more money if the big 12, big 10 one was Patreon, but who wants money? Yeah. Um, so anyway, we got to think about it. Um, but we're not going anywhere. We just got to kind of figure out what shape this is all going to take. We almost have 500 listen, like watch viewers on our YouTube. Thing. That's this stupid. Crazy. That's stupid. Uh, his third point is this is not a uh, logistical or a question, but more as I dwell on this, uh, it really hammers home how sad and dumb the whole situation is. As a Husky fan, I'm thrilled the Huskies will survive and remain relevant, even with the minor embarrassment of having to take a lesser cut of the Big Ten media deal. Still a no-brainer given the situation. That said, my heart goes out to all the Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal fans who have no idea what the future holds for their program right now. That's incredibly shitty. I'm genuinely upset on their behalf. We would uh, agree. F you, Pac-12 presidents. F you, Larry Scott. F you, USC and UCLA. F you, Fox and ESPN. As a final and slight... I mean... USC and UCLA did the same thing Washington did. I don't know. As a final and slightly less depressing thought, I pray that somebody at Netflix is already already hastily filming a documentary called Killing the Pac-12. This whole saga from beginning to end might just be the greatest story of incompetence ever told. Go dogs, Rob in Seattle. 
There, someone else mentioned that in the chat too about a, a 30 for 30 or something. Yeah, no, I mean, the. the it the would sto- be epic. The story of this, I was thinking about it like there's some like Wire season two vibes with like Frank Sabatka trying to get the grain pier going. Um, and then he has to commit petty crimes to make it happen. And then it doesn't end up happening because he committed petty crimes. And there was just like a real vibe of like just corruption. This fight against the like just pure inertial forces of capitalism. You've got the Pac-12, which I don't think anyone would describe as like a pastoral traditionalist league at its heart. But like essentially the only thing that would have saved it at the end is just the conservatism of the presidents. And it's just this it's an insane story to go from the heights like people don't remember, but like the early 2010s, it looked like the Pac-12 was going to rule the world. <laughs> like it was going to be like yeah, the biggest TV deal. Oh my god, the biggest TV deal. The schools, like there were like three teams in the top six um, yeah. in 2011. Then there was uh, the 2013 season, which was like the best, the best the Pac-12 has ever been. A UCLA team that would have run away with the conference the last like five years didn't even make it to the Pac-12 title game that year. Like there's just so many things that had to go wrong to take the 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 league from that point to where it is not even ten years later. Yeah. Like it's insane. Or a little over ten years later. Crazy. It's insane. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Somebody should do that. It would be it would be good. Um you, I think people would be speaking on record too. Could you imagine what they were like? This is what Larry Scott did, or this is what George Klyovkov did. Like some of the stuff would be like now that there's no conference, like they can say what you know they're not they don't have to worry about their jobs because they're gone. But there would be like the the kind of terrible decisions that were made. Holy cow! Like it'd be amazing to hear all about that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we got a we got one from I think this must be uh, Robin Roberts's son or Robert Eric? Robbins. Yeah, this is from Eric. Uh, end of the pack. Hi Ryan and Dave. A few thoughts, questions. Dave is probably right that streaming is the wave of the future. However, I'm not sure how many uh, I'm not sure how major college football can be on the edge of it because an only or mostly streaming conference would seem to be at a disadvantage for recruiting in NIL. If a game is on a streaming device, a fan has to order the service and purposely tune in. You would seem to lose the Saturday afternoon channel surfers just flipping around for the best game and the bars that just want something on their TVs other than infomercials or the Shawshank Redemption. Because the games would be harder to get, that makes players and teams less marketable. Do you guys think this is an issue? If so, do you think it's something a streaming deal in the near future could overcome? So here's the thing I would say about that specifically for the Pac-12 to start with is uh, whatever the streaming deal would have been, the distribution would have been better than the Pac-12. Yeah. network so that for the pac-12 I, I don't think it's a concern now if your broader question is how does it compare to like being on fox it's a different deal um the thing i would say about the channel surfer the channel surfing uh college football fan is that they are aging uh that is an aging cohort um this guy a lot of teams a lot of people like to pick the game they're going to watch and they watch it um, now, there is some passive viewership that you're right could get lost. I'm thinking about more than bars. I'm thinking gyms because a lot of bars now have they got Roku TVs because those are cheap and the Roku TV can get an app as easily as it can get cable. Yeah. Um, but uh, like gym, like when you're at the gym, just watching games like those are those are cable yeah. um, and that sort of Direct stuff. TV, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a different deal. Um, I, I think the way. The way I'm looking at it is it's, again, I'm thinking about those terrible market forces. Uh, the streaming giants are trying to force out the cable ones. Like, they're trying to flood this so that people drop their cable subscriptions and then they can raise prices. I think they're going to succeed in the near to long term. And it will. Don't get me wrong, because this is capitalism. It will make things worse, definitely. But 
I do think it's the way it's going. And so I do think streaming will eventually win um, in the same way that, you know, cabs have been rendered uh, uh, a tertiary market to Uber and Lyft. There was a funny family guy I was watching the other day and they were like, you know, the little cutaways, they make fun of cabs and they're showing like a like there's like some video in the back of the cab and, he, and it was like just terrible. It's way too loud. And he and Peter's like. This is why Uber wins. Or whatever, something like that. This yeah, exactly. is why caps up. Yeah. All right. There's a number two here. I'm sad about the end of the Pac-12. As a Colorado fan, I don't want to trade California and the Pacific Northwest for Stillwater and Waco. However, when people say that greed and capitalism brought the Pac-12 down, I'd counter by saying that this is capitalism doing what it's supposed to do. Correct. So where do you go with that? Um, the Pac-12 over the past 10 years has put out a product inferior to competitors. No CFP appearances since 2017, and the only recent national championship in a sport people care about was Stanford's women's hoops in 2021. Moreover, the idiots who ran the conference kept making really bad business decisions. Insert Champagne Larry sound effect. You still got it? I don't think I do. Still the best of all the sound effects here. If a local uh, restaurant serves bad food, has bad service, and is run by idiots, it deserves to close, and the public will be better for it in the long term. The end of the Pac-12 seems similar. I get the travel objections, although I feel like those can be mitigated with conference organization and scheduling. This really sucks for the Cougs and the Beavs. Cal and Stanford don't have fans except for the Zodiac Killer at this point. But everyone, else to will get to, <laughs> but everyone else will get to watch their team on a real TV network in a conference that is run by decent businessmen who will be able to ensure that their school is on solid financial footing. Am I missing something? The analogy is not quite correct. So the local restaurant that's crappy... Um, it's as if uh, the people who were eating there uh, helped to fund it, helped to put all the money into it, and hired the person to run it, right? And then it failed. And then instead of when they realized that the, the food sucked, just letting him continue to serve them shitty food for the longest time. And meanwhile, this is the only restaurant in a 30-mile radius. And they just let that devolve horribly and so all these customers are like, this is the only restaurant we can go to. The food sucks. There's no other restaurant we can go to. Can you just please improve the food? And the people who were in charge of funding the restaurant and the chef uh, just didn't, decided they weren't going to nope. do that. The food sucks, though. It's really bad, and we can't even get it. The, the orders come out uh, horribly, horribly burned <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and, Why is my burger like this? And it's... it's, um, it's uh, this could have been fixed. <laughs> like it could have been fixed with just getting a new chef earlier on. Nah. Uh, but they decided they weren't going to do that. So um, it, it's, you know, it's, it, 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 does it deserve to, do, do things deserve to fail because they are poorly run? Sure, I guess, maybe. But if it is the only thing providing a service in a certain area, isn't it better to fix that thing? Um, you know, that's the, the regionality of this sport, the regionality of the whole thing is an essential bit of college sports. Uh, I think we're all going to very quickly realize that if we haven't already. Um, and so the, the you know, this analogy, well, yeah, I mean, I think if you've got a, a mindset that like, yeah, things should fail if they're not very good. I mean, who can argue with that? It's pretty self-evident. Yeah. But um, what are the ramifications of that if you don't replace it? Right. Like instead of replacing it, you're just like, no, go to that restaurant across town. Uh, and by across town, I mean 2,000 miles away. 
All right. Was that it for him? or did he... uh, There's a three. Oh. Does the fact that the Pac-12 and Dead and Company called it quits in the same summer, summer rede- render Bill Walton entirely superfluous as a human being? Here's hoping he finds hobbies other than continuing his battle with the vagrants in the park across the street from his house. Thanks, guys, and hoping you continue on in some form after the Conference of Champions is no more. Yeah, someone asked, is it getting a wellness check on Bill Walton? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not his, uh, it was not his favorite day yesterday, I don't think. Uh, what could have saved the Pac-12 from Tom? Hey, Ryan and Dave, thanks for your work on the pod. On the Bro Podcast earlier this week, Tracy and David speculated about what might have saved the Pac. And Tracy thought they could have offered USC and UCLA a larger share that might have satisfied UCLA. But I'm skeptical about USC and would be interested to hear Ryan's thoughts. As David said on Bro, the Brocast, have an unequal distribution can lead to its own kind of instability, but maybe that would have been enough to retain the LA market. I do uh, get the sense that most of these teams are definitely reluctant, uh, are def- defecting reluctantly, except USC. Thanks from Tom. And I think it would have helped. Um, my gut is, and you know, I think if we get a 30 for 30 or a Netflix documentary on this, like we're going to get what happened. Did George Klyovkov understand that USC and UCLA could have left? Did they understand that they, you know, what they wanted? Were they, was he willing to go to bat and say, we need to pay the major market schools more money to keep them? Otherwise, we're all doomed. So I get it. You don't want to get less, but the word it's worse than, you know, getting less is a lot better than getting none and being crushed, which is eventually what happened. So was there, there should have been an offer of something like that. And I don't know if it would have, I think it would have made a difference, to be honest. Um, but I, I, I mean, you want to stay in the region if you possibly can. But I think USC and UCLA saw the writing on the wall. But if you didn't make some sort of offer, you didn't put that on the table, that's another huge failing on Klyovkov's part. And I think some of the times you end up catering to the schools that are like, hey, if, if Washington State doesn't want to do that, all right, well, now you're out, now you're in the Mountain West, you know? So like, that's where you, a good leader would have needed to show, here's what can happen if you lose these, you need these major market programs, even though you've beat them or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like they're still the major market program. So that's just kind of my opinion on it. But I think it would have helped. I don't know if it would have saved things, but I think I think it would have helped if that was ever on the table. And it doesn't seem like it was. My point about the uh, it eventually leads to instability is it leads to resentment. It will lead to these things that there has to be an understanding at the fundamental root of any of these sports that you have to help prop up the smaller teams. You have to help prop up the smaller programs or else you end with an increasingly, uh, well, it's, it's the story of America. You end up with an increasingly uh, unequal distribution of of uh, the positive outcomes. Um, and so, for USC, yeah, you can ask for ten more million dollars, and maybe you get it. But then the also ran schools become even more also ran. They they are succumbing to even greater budget pressures, and they're becoming a minor league to you in your own league. Yeah, and then eventually, it might not even make sense for them to continue. If you keep squeezing out teams and you and you keep okay, but we can get an even bigger chunk of the pie as we go further and further up the ladder. Eventually, we're going to end up with 10 teams in a separate Super League. And these are the 10 teams that compete for national titles. And then everyone below them is in a different tier where, oh, we're still trying. We think maybe. And then everyone below them is in, well, we're just playing college sports. Like, I don't know what we're doing. Um, 
But you're going to end up with these clear dichotomies that change the nature of the game. Yes, at a fundamental level, who's winning national titles every year? It's Alabama, Georgia, you know, whatever, Clemson. Um, but there's still this illusion that everyone is competing for the same thing. This would destroy that illusion. Um, yeah. And you wouldn't end up with TCU kind of ever being a participant in that sort of um, world. And if if you look at the NFL, if you look at the NBA, if you look at, you know, all these different leagues, they have rules in place to kind of balance, um, especially from their TV deals, to balance the revenues, uh, to balance the money uh, to an extent. And these are professional leagues. But the reason they do that is to maintain stability. And they have minimum spends that you have to hit if you're a major league baseball team. If you're a, you know, you have salary caps, so you can't overspend. And the reason they do all of that stuff is to keep things, it doesn't need to be parity, but it needs to be within the realm of everyone has a borderline chance of doing the same thing. And if you're going to construct a sport and a league and all this kind of stuff uh, around around a competition around a playoff then you need to you know kind of create that and i think uh, a big thing that's happening right now is this consolidation of the teams that are like semi-serious or have the resources to be semi-serious but that's not going to be the end of consolidation if that's the goal if it's to you know end up with only the teams that can semi-professionalize this thing and that is what kills college football because college football is not just about the teams that can semi-professionalize it's also about oregon state And can Oregon State every five years produce a team that can bloody the nose of USC? Um, You know, and that's the piece of this that's so much fun for everyone on College Football Saturday. You don't tune in. I mean, you do. You do tune in to watch Alabama versus Georgia. I don't, but you do. I understand that. But when you see upset watch, when you see Appalachian State deciding that it's going to decide to uh, beat the P out of Michigan, uh, you tune in. When it's Oregon State uh, knocking off a top five USC team at home, you tune in. Um, those things get lost in this. Um, and they don't, uh, these things don't unravel quickly. And those things are, I think, more valuable to the viewing experience of college football than seeing if USC can beat Ohio State. Um <laughs> So. It's an important part of the fabric of college football, and yeah. I think it's something we could lose. Yes. Um, all right, this is from Frank in Sacramento. 12-team playoff. Ryan, remember that now that the Pac-12 is gone, the top six conferences will still get a bid, but the SEC will get four bids, and the Big Ten will get four bids. Four SEC, four Big Ten, one Big 12, one ACC, one at-large, one at-large. I, I, they're going to renegotiate this. Yeah, this goes through 2025, I think. And then it's all and it's going to be even bigger. Like the conferences are going to look different. They might um, they might they're doing emergency stuff now to see if they need to renegotiate. Yeah. now. And then one last one uh, text message. And then we got some YouTube question comments. James in Washington, uh, if the Pac-12 schools get paid more for leaving the conference, why couldn't we get a similar similar money while staying together? Why is Washington more valuable in the Big Ten? And why is ASU more valuable in the Big 12? Explain to me like I'm a five-year-old, James. I, I think part of it is you're not paying for, like, if you had to pay $31 million to every Pac-12 school, you're also paying $31 million for Washington State and Oregon State and Cal and Stanford. And you're like, well, I'd rather just pay for Washington and Oregon, or I'd rather just pay for Arizona, Arizona State, um, Utah, and Colorado. So you're paying as much for the schools you want, but you're jettisoning the ones you don't so i guess that's probably overall cheaper for 
the t- TV networks, they cannot pay for. It's like if somehow in the Big Ten, they said, "Oh, Rutgers and Maryland, you're not getting this full share." Of, like they'd rather not pay for that. They're paying to get Ohio State and Michigan, and they kind of get Rutgers and Maryland along for the ride. This is sort of a way to get the whole Pac-12 without the ones you don't really care as much about. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But if you follow that to its logical conclusion, it's going to involve these leagues jettisoning dead weight over yeah. time too. Yeah. Um, and this is this is what I was getting at in the previous uh, question: is just you're you're going to see increased consolidation, increased upward trend of all of this stuff if there isn't any kind of governance. Like if there isn't any kind of you need that. The the, the thing that's like not talked about in all of this is just the back seat the NCAA has taken throughout all of this, and we've all denigrated the NCAA for very good reason. But the fact that there wasn't an institutional body that had any kind of power, that had any ability to change uh, the mechanisms, to change the levers of all of this happening, that there wasn't a central body with which uh, the TV networks could negotiate TV rights, um, that this was all uh, doled out to the conferences and their own individual fiefdoms. Um, The end result is that you end up with this, where they're competing against each other in this like cutthroat environment where the Big Ten can basically just decide to destroy college football. Um, And, you know, there's no, as Ryan said up top at the beginning of the show, there wasn't anybody at the at the switch. There was nobody. There's nobody having any kind of uh, say in wait. There's no czar. There's no somebody. But hey, this is bad. We shouldn't let this happen. Yeah. and you know it's it's um it's a shame it's a damn shame uh because we're letting these these money factors play a role and and there there's some realities for it for the institutions like if you talk about cal's budget situation now i don't know how much interest debt they're servicing on the stadium but i i i think it's upwards of 10 to 20 million dollars a year right now it's a lot now they're getting some institutional help there but if their athletic revenues continue to drop considerably because they're not going to get an invite to the Big Ten or the Big 12, uh, the effect on the institution itself is actually going to be pretty profound. And then if you drop major college athletics, that will have a noticeable effect on donations to the university itself. And I'm not saying Cal is going to drop down as a university, but there's going to be a noticeable effect on the university, not yeah. just – and this is a major public university, major international brand the whole thing um and then extrapolate that to oregon state extrapolate that to washington state um now their budgetary concerns are not as extreme but i know oregon state just funded an entire renovation of reaser stadium yep. they, they and they planned that before anyone knew the pac-12 was going to dissolve yeah um you've got washington which is uh i think their debt services just dropped just jumped up into the teens for some stuff that they did in the last few years um there's there's some money effects here that are going to have ramifications beyond the world of sports, beyond the world of football, beyond the world of basketball. Cal's going to cut sports if they don't figure things out, but they might have to cut other things. Um, and it's just, it's insane. I don't know if an AD can separate itself enough from a university to declare bankruptcy, but there's going to be those conversations. Yeah. Like there's going to be a lot of weird and fucked up shit happening because... Nobody had control of the ship. I agree. Uh, let's try to get through some of these YouTube comments. Quick, let's do this rapid fire if we can, David. Les says, if Utah were not uh, Pac-12 champs the past two years, would the Pac be alive today? I thought that's an interesting one. I don't. I guess it depends who else would win, but I don't think Utah winning it was, and that's not killing the conference. But um, 
yeah, it would have been better if Oregon or USC had won it the last couple of years. Like, no, I don't think it would have had any impact um, at all. I think the the reality here is that the money was the thing. It was the thing that was pushing it. Um, and without getting the money right um, or preventing the window from opening for UCLA and USC to leave, uh, there there was the survival chance depended on um, something since UCLA and USC left on the back end. It yeah. wasn't anything on the field. Um, Utah winning the last couple of years is cool as hell. And I think they're going to yeah. go into the big 12 and dominate the shit out of it. Um, Interesting. But, uh, cause that's just a program that is so well run internally. They, they've just got everything figured out. They could win anywhere. Um, and I think they're going to crush the big 12. All right. Uh, big Bob had a question. He says, do you think George Klayovkov will even attend the PAC 12 conference championship game? It's going to be very awkward to see him handing over a trophy to a school leaving. Unless Oregon State wins. I So I don't know if Klyavkov's going to stick around. Like, I, 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 don't, I, think, do do? I, don't, I don't think he'd be fired, but, like, that's a that's a tough role to be in. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, I mean, honestly, like, there's a personal effect here. I'm, 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 I can't imagine being at the helm of the destruction of a hundred-year-old brand, but if uh, the feelings that you would be feeling, I think are, are pretty horrible and awful. Um, so I don't know if he'll want to stick around that long. Um, he might have to just to try to, yeah, he might have some sort of, uh, yeah, uh, he has to try to save like the brands he has left. He has to try not for the PAC 12, but for them, like he's, his job now is to give them a soft landing somewhere. Yeah. He's got a duty and responsibility, but I just, uh, I'm thinking how I would be if I was in that, and I'd be I'd be a depressed headcase. Like I would be just like sitting at home. It'd be very tough in a dark room. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know how how he would function doing that. But what I will say this, and this is something that's I think needs to be said. This final season of Pac-12 athletics, it's not going to be a death march. It's not going to be a funeral march. It's going to be so much fucking fun. Yeah. Uh, this football season is going to rule so hard because. It's going to be good. Like there's a lot of teams that are really good this year. Yeah. And the pursuit of that final Pac-12 banner is going yes. to be like the most epic game of capture the flag in the entire world. I know it's huge. Lincoln Riley, Everybody it's huge wants that thing. Yeah, Everyone everywhere. wants that thing. And it was going to be like all the, the short timers, USC and UCLA, and everyone hating on them. And like, yeah. now it's just chaos. Now a it's free like, for all. Everybody's everyone. Leaving. And like, if you've got a secondary team, like if your team is not like in the running. It's Oregon State, baby. You yeah, you're want, rooting you're, for because you, all right. So Washington State, you can root for them too. But Oregon State is the team that has an actual chance because they're good. They're good. Yeah. And if they could just run through this league, beat the shit out of everyone, and win, would be so cool and so funny and so perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sean Com says, um, "What will this mean for the Rose Bowl?" We had a few comments about the Rose Bowl. Someone said they should have the Big Ten championship there every year. Um, I think it's just going to be part of the college football playoff now. Like the tradition of, you know, do you have to worry about the, I, the traditions of when they play it and like having the sunset in the third quarter, well, all that stuff. I think the Rose Bowl will try to keep doing that. But now that one of the conferences that's been affiliated with it is dead, uh, it's going to be just part of the college football playoff, I think. I agree. Um, and there was already a little bit of a move away from the traditionalism of the Rose Bowl. So I don't think it's as big of a thing as it used to be. Yeah. I never really got as hung up on that. Um, but it is um, 
it's another, you know, kind of sad breaking of tradition. But uh, I, I still think they could do something pretty fun. I mean, I think they could, again, uh, I don't think expansion is done. I don't, I, I think there's still going to be some movement and some different things. And who knows, we maybe end up with an old pack eight. And if there's an old pack eight and a uh, big 10, 12 or whatever the hell, uh, maybe you could do something in the Rose Bowl uh, between those two squads. And maybe it's in December and not in January, but we'll see. Uh, Alex is a big Calamoni guy. There's a lot of Calamoni talk. The six more schools leaving. I think people just like saying it. Yeah, like it's a fun term. It was yeah. just like uh, Varsity Blues. Like it was just fun to say like Varsity right. Blues scandal. Um, not that the word itself was just, it was just kind of fun to refer to that again. Um, with the six more schools leaving, does it affect UCLA being on the hook for Calamoni? There are now more parties to blame. There's more parties to blame, but I also think there's going to be more institutional uh, feeling of responsibility for Cal um, because it's one thing if Cal is still part of a Pac-10 ish that can make twenty million dollars a year, but if Pac-10, if Cal has to drop down to the Mountain West, I think it would be uh, borderline unconscionable for UCLA not to help at some level uh-huh. um, because you're talking about. Look, it's one thing if it's like, oh, gosh, they're not going to be able to pay their football coach another million dollars a year. Big whoop. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But it's another thing if, oh, they're going to have to cut virtually every single sport because they don't have the money to come up with it. And a big reason for that is because you left for the Big Ten. Different deal. Uh, And I think, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out, but that makes me feel a little squishy. And maybe some of it's my nieces at Cal and, you know, she's like involved in like uh rally club and shit but um there is a i think there 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 should be at least some institutional understanding that um cal what's going to happen to cal like look i don't have a ton of sympathy for cal because again the fans are a little obnoxious but like as an institution it's not going to be good they're going to be on an athletic level with like uc davis um and in the you know kind of in the same boat uh, they're gonna maybe be playing competitive games against like nevada and unlv and stuff like that and that will have an impact on the university itself yep. um and there's a the the world playing out is not like a, a super attractive one so for cal i mean i think paying them a little bit of money every year out of this uh big 10 pile of money maybe something UCLA should actually do. And I was big on shouldn't pay him a dime. Right. But, you were at the beginning. But and with, I didn't think it was even real. Like, yeah. We well, I, I still don't think it's real. And I think if UCLA wanted to thumb him in the eye, they could. But now I kind of think, think for I the greater think, good, they I should I kind of think they shouldn't. Yeah. And I think they should pay him off a little bit. All right. Eric says, um, so I would imagine Oregon, USC, UCLA, and Washington will all play each other every year. I think that's the... The plan for right now is like you would want those West Coast teams to play each other. Um, fight on MC. Does Washington, Oregon get the same Big Ten deal as USC and UCLA? So our understanding is no, like David mentioned earlier. Um, and then Eddie says, assuming one of the eight teams that left the pack uh, with the championship, how weird is that trophy ceremony going to be? We kind of mentioned that a little bit. And then did the Big Ten buy Washington and Oregon uh, at Ross Dress for Less <laughs> where you get great beads for 65, breads for 65% off or something like that. There was a joke that got cut off there. Um, 
so there was that. And then we have one last one uh, from James. How was the Magic Castle? Did you see Close Up Magic? It's amazing. I did. It was my first time there. It's like an L.A. thing. And it was amazing. It was very fun to uh, to see that. So I enjoyed it. Um, anything else, David, that you wanted to? Well, we've got some questions, I think, from the Twitter. Okay. Um, can you rank the remaining Pack 4 members based on their ability to defend the planet against an alien invasion? <sighs> All right. So Stanford, because you know they've been working on some super weapons up there. You right. think they're working on? I think they would work on weapons, but they wouldn't want to produce them. No, no, no. I mean, I think they're weapons that they would otherwise use for great evil. Like absolutely, <laughs> really? like yeah, yeah. No, like this would be used to like mulch humans into like finer uh, grains to feed wow. feed people later on in okay. the apocalypse. So, so you're going Stanford one. Stanford's number one, no doubt. Like they've got some super weapons. They've got um, biological weapons. Like they've been doing some fucked up shit up there. I think um, I would put Cal last because they would. I, I don't think they would want to hurt the aliens. Yeah. So Washington State, Oregon State, a lot of rifles. Like they've got they've got munitions in those areas, hmm. right? So you got to feel like if there's a guerrilla uh, defense being attempted, those are the two schools to go to. Okay. I'm just thinking the technological advantages of Stanford it could might. maybe match up against an alien invasion force, but I'm with Oregon State and Washington State, I think they could head into the woods and be fine uh, just picking off aliens uh, from, you know, do guerrilla warfare, basically. Cal's screwed. In this, as in all other things, Cal is screwed. All right. All right. Um, uh, JT says, who is the worst remaining Pac-4 team and why is it Cal? Thanks. You've answered your own question. Um, uh, Justin Wilcox spoke on this and it was just like, it's one of those things you just can't control. It's very coach speaky and stuff like, yeah, what do you do? You're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you don't have a conference now. You're like, so I went and watched all four of those coaches because they all said something. Um, and so Dickert was the most eloquent. I think he captured kind of what everyone yes. sort of feels about all it of this. It was good, yeah. Uh, people were like, well, he's a head coach. He's making millions of dollars. You said some stupid shit like that. And I'm Not just like, stupid. You said it was like millionaire gym teachers. They are like millionaire gym teachers, but it doesn't mean they can't be right. No, you got yeah, um, right. So, yeah, he's but the right. Reason he's making millions of dollars a year is because of this TV contract. Yeah, but he's not making six million a year. Like, the reason this making. stuff's breaking is because of the coaches making 10, 12, 15 million dollars a year. Like, the coach of your stupid school. Um, I mean, Nick Saban's worth more than he's paid at Alabama. Just okay. the applications okay. Okay. alone. All right. But we, uh, I don't want to get into another rant against capitalism, but. This idea of worth in a sport that you do have to prop up the ones who are not worth that much to make it make sense. It's not a professional league. It's not. So you like Larry Scott's parody agenda. Not internally in a league, but in the broad world of college football, like, yes. Because that worked out And well. honestly, within the league, too, to an extent. But it doesn't mean that you don't allow the, the teams that are really good to win. It just means you have to... You don't need to pay everyone like the exact same amount of money. Like that doesn't need to be the case. And that's not the way it is in most uh, of these uh, professional leagues. But you do have to keep everyone within shouting distance of each other. Otherwise, yeah. it just doesn't work. So yeah. anyway, uh, Webfoot, should Oregon State and Washington State try to backfill the conference or just join the Mountain West? So strategically, what do you think should happen? I think um, there's something similar that happened for when Let's we... How about we do this? Let's okay. rank the realistic possibilities. So first up, I think the most realistic 100% thing that's happening is some joining with the Mountain West. Yeah, I think that's the most realistic thing. 
Um, I think the priority for Klyovkov has to be like when we we were part of Scout that had terrible leadership and basically they ousted the CEO and we got bought by 24/7 Sports like Scout did and it was good for everybody it was good I remember they they had a interim CEO I think it was Craig Amazine or Am- mm-hmm. and uh I thought his number one goal was to make sure that all of the sites that were part of the network got, you know, were going to be okay. And I really appreciated that. And it was a thankless job. Like he wasn't the one that caused the problems or whatever, but he focused on that and made sure people were in a good spot. This is a lot of it's Klyovkov's fault. I mean, some of it's other people's fault too. I think his number one job has to be, how do I make Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State get in the best spots possible? So I would like that to be the number one job, not how do I save the Pac-12. Like the Pac-12 is dead. Fix the four schools that are left over and don't make them, you know, give them the best possible outcome, whatever that is. Yeah. And I don't think there – so to answer the question specifically, I don't think backfilling is an actual option. I think the reality now is it has to be some form of merger. And maybe it's a reverse merger where the Mountain West schools all become Pac-12 schools because it's a bigger and better brand. Whatever. doesn't. But some version of that is what makes the most sense for Oregon State and Washington State if they can't – and this is down the list and realistic, but the best option for them is to somehow uh, get into – Probably the, I mean, I know it's a ridiculous idea, but probably the Big Ten is what makes the most sense because then they could create a Pac-8, which for travel concerns for the Oregon State and Washington States of the world would make the most sense. Yeah. Um, and then also not a question, this is from Webfoot as well, but I am loving all the salty USC message board fans. This is very interesting to me because USC fans are like, why are we allowing these schools in? And the funny thing is UCLA fans are kind of grabbing the tenor of that tone as well. And I'm just like, I mean... I think it's better for USC and UCLA. Well, whether it's better or worse, um, how did you not think something like this was going to happen? Yeah. I think some of it was they wanted uh, at least like a few years, especially with USC fans in Oregon. Like they wanted to leave Oregon A little bit of separation for a while. Yeah. Just like let them join, but like later on and we're already established in the new neighborhood and let them move into the new neighborhood. But I think you're still getting something like that with if you're USC, UCLA fan. Oregon and Washington are coming in as kind of like afterthoughts, you know, at a discounted price. So it, you know, it's not like you're going to be on an even playing field. Now, once you start playing in games, it doesn't matter. Like David said, if you get $20 million a year, yes, is that less? Is that going to make your athletic program worse or better? No, it's like you're, who's better coaches, better players, they're going to win. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I, I think you'd rather have more West Coast partners and have less travel and all that. Um, so, but I don't know. There's some fans that are really salty about it. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Um, Matthew from Stanford, uh, who runs our uh, our survivor pool every yes. year, uh, he had an important question. Question for the podcast What the fuck? <laughs> uh, appreciate your thoughts. I'll take your answer off air. Yeah. Hard to disagree with. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, that was uh, I think, eloquent. It was well said. Um, let me see if we've got anything else. Uh, but I think that is, let's see if there's anything in response We're to your thread. Two hour mark, so Who cares? Um, I, mean, I got stuff to do. Mm, mm. When is the funeral? Oh, it's, it's definitely sad. And I think one of the things that you don't realize is how many lives are impacted you know, especially in the markets that aren't going to be part of this. And there's, 
you know, we've already seen from like Pac-12 women softball players talk about this is, you know, even if you're going to a better conference, like the travel sucks. And there's a lot of um, the overall dollar amounts that these schools are making are going to be better for the schools that get to get to get out and go somewhere else. But like David said, the overall experience, um, especially for the Olympic sports, is going to be worse, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it sucks. Uh it was a crazy day yesterday, just kind of seeing it all unfold and how that all happened. What's going to happen? What's left over? Are we ever going to hear from George Klyovkov again? Like it's, I mean, the mistakes he made, unforgivable. Uh, I get it. You know, he was trying to win. He was trying to come out and look better than Brett Yormark, and he just fell flat on his face. This was, again, the bad poker hand. You don't have to go broke with it. You can. You know, you can lose lose the pot and move on and, and play another hand. And uh, he he went broke with this bad hand that he got dealt from Larry Scott. And it's a shame. All right. There's one last one. And this is, can be the one we end on. OK. Question for the podcast. Why do you think Pac-12 fans at large feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State, but dance with glee on the grave of Cal? I mean, I think Oregon State and Washington State are trying. You know, and you feel like Cal isn't really with every trying. advantage with being in California, yes. being in a major media market, being in a relatively pretty good hotbed for talent, tripping on your own dick on the regular. <laughs> and you've got them. You've got one of the most obnoxious fan bases in the world, which we haven't really seen since 2006 when Jeff Tedford was at his height. But good God, from like 2002 to 2006, there was not a more obnoxious fan base in the Pac-12, Pac-10 at that time. Like, it was insane. Yeah. Like, the level of entitlement that just immediately came forward. And it's like, you people didn't exist. How did you show up? What What's going on here? Um, and, like, this, there's an arrogance around uh, Cal fan that is um, odd and out of proportion with even the rating of its, uh, of its university. It's out of proportion to that. It's like Stanford-level arrogance. But Stanford-level arrogance is like... It's the arrogance of something, oh, we weren't even considering you. Like, we weren't even thinking about you. Uh, it's that level of arrogance. Cal, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're the number one public university. Let me rub your dick in it. Um, and it's just, you know, that's, uh, I think people find that a little obnoxious. So I think it's the people. Um, and, of course, there are good Cal fans. I, I know some of them. Um, as I said, my niece goes there. But I think uh, some of it is just very... Um, related to the personalities that people encounter. And the thing is, if you've gone to Oregon State or Washington State, you can encounter some very interesting personalities. But they, uh, uh, for whatever reason, they are not as obnoxious to Joe Joe, Joe at large on, on Twitter. Well, I think it's going to be a good place to wrap it up uh, as we approach the two-hour mark. We really appreciate everyone coming in, uh, especially you're listening to our podcast. These last few podcasts we've done have been the most listened to we've had maybe ever in a long time. And the fact that we had almost like 500 people like on our live stream, um, we only have like 1100 subscribers. So like there's uh, on our, so get on there. If you're on the live stream right now, please like, and subscribe it. Uh, we do appreciate that. And uh, tell your friends, we're going to keep doing it. We got to preview the actual seasons happening now. Maybe things will be settled. We don't have to talk about realignment, but I'm sure we will. But we got to preview the season. We got a lot to get to David. Uh, I'm looking forward to it and talk about football again. Because it yeah. will be fun. And it's, it, again, I don't mean to hammer it too hard, but it's going to be a really, really good season. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a ton of fun. There's a lot of teams that can contend. We're going to do our previews over the next couple of weeks. 
We're going to talk to all the publishers from the uh, what was once the Pac-12 group. The Pac-4 uh, or whatever we are. The once in future Pac-12 group. Um, and so we'll get input from all of them. So tune in the next couple of weeks for those previews. Then we will do our season preview with the first week of games because those are coming up real quick. So um, we'll have a lot to talk about over the next few weeks. Yeah. So again, thank you everyone for listening, for watching on YouTube and uh, telling your friends about the podcast of champions for David David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Peace.